Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of My Final What up, everyone? It's Cleb. Welcome to Vinyl Stallions, podcast about all things music. Find us on social at Vinyl Stallions. Today's episode is a sit-down with the one, the only, Tony Momrell. Tony is an extremely decorated vocalist. He has a solo career with releases spanning over two-plus decades. He is a vocalist in the acid jazz band Incognito and the soul, funk, smooth jazz, R&B band. They kind of cover everything. Sade. Um, So Tony has an extremely impressive career. He was very generous with his time. This is an amazing episode, and hope you enjoy. Um, Yeah, okay, great. I've I've been been, to Ohio a few times. Yeah, yeah, no, you you were there last year in Cincinnati. That's right. I'm coming back there again in June. I will see you there. Yes. Okay, cool, bro. Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. No, so, yeah, uh, Club, yeah, I love coming in. Club was able to, like, Club, where else did you see them at last year? In Detroit, was it? Detroit, yeah, it was back-to-back days. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're coming back to Detroit as well. But They are um, doing the same thing, Detroit and then Cincy the next day. I, I, I think so. I think so. I think this is, the, you know, because also, because economically, it's a good time to tour in the States because the pound is weakened against the dollar. So actually, you know, when we do agreements in dollars it converts quite all right into pounds nice mm-hmm. um whereas before it was really it was really difficult when the pound was really strong it was hard to do shows and try and connect tours in america because then the conversion rate the taxations and everything else it made it hard unless you did a bunch of shows interesting so we're just no no club you still there yeah i'm, I'm here Oh. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, it, we it cut you. out for a second. Oh, okay. We'll blame the wind of the Atlantic. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's like something that we like don't even think about is because, yeah, I mean, you're from the UK, so there's like a whole nother set of implications when you go, you know, touring overseas. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of things that come into play. Visa costs flights, hotels, and then it's just, you know, the, the I, we, you know, there's the IRS have the particular tax that we have to pay. Um, so there's there's quite a few things in order to number crunch to make a tour work. Most tours, actually, they most tours break even and they, they, they make their profit on merchandise. Um, okay. But, but it, just, it, just, it just depends on the, run, the runs. If you get good festivals and stuff like that or whatever, then that can, you know, they pay a bit more. It works out, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. What is uh, what is your favorite city to play in in the U.S.? Is there anyone that you're just like, damn, I didn't expect oh, this? Oh man, Do you know what? I've played. I've, I've played. I've been really fortunate to play the states a few times. The first time I played America was with um, Robert Palmer. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, the late Robert Palmer. I was in his band, so we were, t- you know, that was a rock and roll kind of tour. Mm-hmm. Um. When I say that, I mean like the individuals involved. It was rock and roll, um, <laughs> and that was my first kind of experience of a, a, a US tour. 
Um, and everywhere was amazing to me. I think the thing is as well is that as a kid growing up, think about British culture, especially like urban culture, a lot of our roots stem from the States. A lot of our influences, if it would be the, you know, when I grew up, you know, it was the Bionic Man, Steve Austin. It was Superman, Wonder Woman. It was all, it was all American sitcoms. It was all of that. And so the culture, especially from like the hip hop era, um, down to clothing, down to style and everything else. So when I came to America, I didn't care. I was like, everywhere was amazing to me. You know, I wanted to go and experience what a Twinkie bar actually tastes like. Um, <laughs> I had cousins, I've got cousins in America and they'd always bring American candy and we'd always trade stuff. They'd, they'd want stuff to, from England, but I went out there and it was like, I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to go to a Waffle House. I wanted to go to IHOP. I wanted to do, it was all of that. That, that, that was it for me. I wanted to go crack a barrel. And what, what was that like? Everywhere. So for me, it was like, um, th there's not one city that stands out to go, that's my favourite. I think because of the music um, that I do, that we do, and, and the, the fans, it always is a beautiful thing. So um, I've never really had any kind of bad experiences um, in terms of any city or, 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 or venue. It's always been loved. That is great to hear, man. And you sound like a breakfast man then if those are your desires coming on over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because, you know, like crew members and people like that will say, look, man, if you want to go, especially if you've done a show and it's really late and there's nowhere to eat, they'll go, but there's Arby's that open or IHOP, you know. Yep. And so we'll get there and I'd be surprised of like the amount of food that you could get for that amount of money. That little amount of money, you've got like a spread, like I'm, I ordered a pancake stack it came with cider, bacon, eggs, fruit. It came with some other things, some muffins, some bottomless coffee or tea and a bunch of other things. I was like, this is ridiculous. We're not used to that. So I, I, I love the whole the whole experience. When I go to America, I go in, I like I like to experience it all. You you've just solved the key to why America is the most obese country. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that as well. It is, it is. No, look, it is in terms of like, you know, I just the first time I went, I remember, I remember being served food. I went to, in fact, I went to um, Cheesecake Factory and um, I was in, I think it's either Atlanta. Yeah, I was in Atlanta and I ordered a salad, a Cobb salad. The size of the salad was a whole <laughs> meat. It was ridiculous. And I ordered some blackened salmon on some, like a bed of like, rice and some some vegetables or whatever i i said listen have you have you put that through and i said not yet i said don't because this salad <laughs> alone it came with these other sides it wasn't just the salad it came with these bread rolls it came with this it came with nacho it came with all, like it's ridiculous no all right well that place in particular literally like one their menu is like an encyclopedia that you have to find your way through <laughs> yeah yep. and then, yeah, and then yes the portions are huge as well and that's hilarious damn i haven't been there in a minute cheesecake yeah yeah but i love america man hell yeah well america loves you too oh thanks man but i was actually years ago i was looking at i was looking at um i, I was looking i was looking at buying a place there and, and 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 basing myself but then just certain things musically was, was was going on here for me um that i just didn't do it but i'm always i'm always kind of I've got a lot of family in America, so I'm always at the cusp of thinking, maybe I should base myself for a little while and see how it goes. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, and the beauty of it is like you do it and it doesn't work out or you want to go back to the UK, it, it'll still be there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, let I guess let's let's dive into the music a little bit. You got yeah. a lot going on. You just you just finished up playing a string of shows in Italy, is that right? Yes. And then you're yes. off to Sweden. Yeah, and then Switzerland and some other places, yeah. Okay. So yeah, just catch us up. Like how's the tour been going? How the venues been, the shows? Man. It's been great. I, I just recently just did another interview just a moment ago. Um, for, for, and I was talking to them there in Canada, I think, and I was talking to them just talking about how it it's great to be back doing back to music, you know. And mm -hmm. when I came out the last year with Incognito, it was just an amazing feeling just to see venues filled with people again going through the motions of all the things that they love about live live concerts. So for me, it's been a great feeling just on my own stuff with my band, going to these amazing venues and places around Europe and some other places that we're going to. And just the, the, the sense of like, you know what, man, we're, we're getting back to normal again. It's gone back to normal because the last, the last few months, the last year, we've done shows, but it's, it, there's always been some kind of restriction, whether it's a case of that we needed to show our, our, our COVID documents or there's always some kind of restriction or the venue had restrictions. And now it's like most of the venues now, they've lifted everything and it's just gone back to complete how, how it was before. And that's, that's, that's been a great, great feeling. And now... You know, there's a lot more gigs that are on the table, a lot more um, institutions and local councils and governments have money to, to, to re-put back into the entertainment and arts. So it's been nice. We've, we have a lot of things on the table now. We're just taking whatever we can and getting back out there and feeding our souls and doing the same back for the fans. And it's been great, man. I've, I've got to say it's been great. I, I'm, I'm tired, but at the same time, the kind of like mental adrenaline that that's that's going it's like we've missed this for like two years so you know this is the time to just do as much as we can and okay so when you're touring playing your solo music do you do you typically carry like the same band with you every tour do you mix and match the musicians depending on the year or the area or yeah, I think with my band, everyone's been in the band for a while. And I generally okay. kind of stick to the same cats. And they get my dates. You know, we're, we're all good friends. They get my dates in advance so that they, they, they can clear the diaries and be available. And there are some times where things clash, where something just randomly comes in and it clashes. But then I've got a pool of musicians that, you know, know my material that worked with me before that I can call on and I know that it will still fit and everyone still gels and they know each other. So, um, yeah, you know, touch wood, it's been, it's been good. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so I, I first discovered you, you know, through your work with incognito, but as you know, like I heard your voice and, you know, just started, you know, reading more just about incognito, who's all in the band and all that, you know, like I started really getting in to your solo stuff too. Like I, I think right. it's, it's just as good. And, um, I wanted to ask, like I heard on one of your Instagram live videos the other day, you had mentioned you might be working on a new solo album. Yeah. 
I'm working on I'm working on a record, but <laughs> it's like since since lockdown happened. I, I in fact in the in the lockdown it got to the point where when we couldn't do any touring at all. I, I just mm-hmm. with with artists we get cranky and and we're we can be hard to live with because we've got to do what we've got to do. And I couldn't tour, so I started to work on a record. And me and the, the band actually we just did this acoustic EP and we all remotely recorded and put it all together and did the EP and that way we just had something going on. And since that time I've been working on stuff for another album. But then there's part of me is like maybe it's gonna be an album split into two EPs or it's gonna be a, a bunch of singles that I'm gonna drop. I, I, I don't know yet it's how it's forming because when you're in album mode, there's so much things that you've got to do uh to kind of make that 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 body of work. If it's a single mm-hmm. or an EP, it's a little bit more easier. But when it's an album, you've got to think about the concept and how all of the songs relate and what's the theme and the sound and everything. So I am working on it, but at the same time, in the middle of doing a new Incognito record, um, as well as there's a you know a new a new Sade record happening as well. So I'm heavily involved in all of them, and I, I'm just watching my time and. I think I don't want to put myself in a position where I drop an album and I can't promote it because I'm out uh, with one of the other two. So I'm just working that out and seeing what's the best I'm creating right now. Yeah, that. so that was kind of going to be my next question is like, what's it like trying to work on your own album while you're also doing the Incognito album? And so, okay, so then what was that third artist that you said? Sade. Sade, okay. So I I didn't even realize yeah. you worked with her too. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been I've been I've been with Sade since nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's couple decades. Wow. Yeah, and that's that that's actually like a lot of people don't know this, but that that's actually my my kind of my family. It's incognito mm-hmm. and Sade. All, all the other stuff I've done around that been cool, but that's my kind of like my real grassroots family. So just to give you a little bit of a trivia, um, I met Bluey via a friend of mine who was in Incognito. And he said, hey, look, you know, we're doing a new album. That album was um, Life Stranger Than Fiction. And okay. it was like, hey, look, we, we need someone to come in and do some extra backing vocals and some vocal arranging and textures and stuff. I was like, yeah, I know Incognito. I'd love to do that. And so got into the studio, met Bluey, played some tracks, started vocal and it was great. Second day, um, again, we were in there doing some tracks. And then while we were working out something, the mics were still on. He was in the control booth and I was singing some stuff. And I think that was the, the, the first time he could hear my voice on its own. And I didn't know, but he was in the control room on the phone to his management going, listen, I've just got this guy. He's, he, I know that he's, I've, I've got him for this session but this guy's got to be in the band. I need him in the band. And he was having this big debate with his management and they were uh, getting ready to go on a US tour. And uh, he came out of the booth and went, this, you are the voice. This is the voice I've been looking for for many years. And I want you in the band. And I'm like, wow, you don't even know me really. Um, want you in the band we, we can't get you right now because you're about to go on to 
a US tour and just for paperwork reasons and visas can't get it to happen right now but as soon as we're off for this run and we're back I, I, just please be available I want you in the band so I was very humbled by that here's the connection to Sade Incognito went into a rehearsal studio to rehearse okay. for that tour in the very next studio was Sade and she was auditioning for a new member of the band and she'd been there for about three weeks auditioning and she was on her last day I think and she bumped into Bluey and they got talking because they knew each other. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've been here for three weeks. We've got someone on standby and it's been a struggle. I'm trying to find the kind of right voice. And then in the back of his mind, he was like, okay, can I, can I see the list of names that you've got, which she showed and then all the list of names. And she went through all the, he went through all the names with her and, that, and he went, look, the guy that you want, his name isn't on the list. And he probably wouldn't even know about this audition, but uh, I want him for my band, but I can't get him at the moment. But this is the guy you need. And uh, his name's Tony Monreal. Here's his number. And uh, she felt so compelled. He was like, you've got to, you've got to call him now. This is the guy, I'm telling you. If you want him to sound like you, he'll sound like you. You've got to call him. I was doing some grocery shopping. <laughs> <laughs> and my cell phone rings. And it was it was uh, it was Sade, and um, I didn't I had no idea that she was going to be calling me. Nothing. Bluey just set it up. He didn't even know me, but he believed in my gifts that much that it was like this is the guy. And cutting um, a long story short, I met up with her at her, at her house, and uh, we we spoke for a good three hours before we started singing, and uh, she just fell in love with what I do. And that's how I got into, you know, into Sade, into the, into the band. And that's all down to Bluey. That's such a cool story. Yeah, just grocery shopping, just get a call out of the blue. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's my foundation. So that's why I say, like, Incognito and Sade, they're the two things that I'll bounce between and give my priority to. Um, okay. And everything else is like, yeah. yeah. So then... Is that would this be right? Your first like album with Incognito, where you're a full time member, would that have been Bees, Things, and Flowers? Actually, so I joined when the, the, the Who Needs Love album. Okay, so that, yeah, oh Who, yeah, yeah, Who Needs Love album, and then from there, I believe it was uh, Eleven, then uh, Tales from bees. the Beach, then Bees, and then yeah. So I've done about. I don't know many albums now, like 13 albums or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only ones you really weren't on were the 90s ones. That's it. I wasn't, I, that's it basically. Beneath the surface, I wasn't on uh, Tribes. I wasn't on, uh, you know, uh, 100 Degrees and Rising, like that. Um, those were the early stuff. I, I was still in school. Okay. Were gotta... you? Or I was going to say, were you into uh, Incognito back then? Did you know about the band? I knew about the band because, you know, we, we have a TV show over here um, uh, called Jules Holland. Um, and and he's, he's an artist himself. And uh, they every week they would play. They would have it was a live audience. And all these international bands would be performing live. And it was the only kind of show that was doing that in Europe, which was just completely live. Um, and he would interview them and stuff. And that's how I first saw Incognito. And just listen to the style of their music. I was like, man, this is really, really cool. So I knew of them. 
and I knew some of their songs, but I didn't know anyone in the band until my friend joined the band. Okay. That's awesome, yeah. man. And, and then I got a question, I guess, from way back when and when this all started for you. I mean, those compliments from Bluey and Chardet and are like huge and like, but it, like, so when did you find, I guess, your voice? When did you find this talent that you had? Have you been doing this your whole life? No, I mean, I guess I've, from a young child, I was singing, but that wasn't really like my kind of go-to thing. My thing was actually, I was an MC. I was in a group, you know, like I was saying before about the influence of American culture. So when that, you know, as a young kid, there was everyone like Michael Jackson and stuff like that. But when I started hearing Beastie Boys, Run DMC uh, and, and stuff like that, and, and Master Ace and Cool Moe D, Big Daddy Kane, that was the era of everyone wearing shell suit, track suits, uh, yeah. you know, body popping, lino, break dancing, graffiti. It had, everything came in under this one genre. And so for me, I was like, that's what I wanted to be. So I grew up like just hip hop all the way. And um, I was in some groups and stuff like that. So the singing thing didn't really kick in until I was um, about 18. Wow. 18 is when I started to kind of like really like, like, I guess, music and songs. And that, back in the day, I was like, man, that's, you know, all these guys singing I'll Be Sure and all the new edition. I was like, man, that's rubbish. You know, for me, it was like, <laughs> oh, I'm a rapper. I'm, a, I'm an MC, man. I'm strong, hardcore. And this, that was my mind. But little did I know, later on, I started to really start to fall in love with the gift of song and, and melody and the way that you could convey lyrics, a message in a different way. And uh, friends around me and everyone was like, oh, man, you, you could sing, you've got a voice, you could sing. And I always was like in doubt. And then I think I took the the leap, let's say, when I was at my church, I joined the, um, the youth choir. And I thought, well, mm -hmm. that's a great way for me to kind of learn to sing. I'll join the youth choir and I'll be amongst other male singers in my section and that way I, my voice is hidden and I'll be able to, to learn. And um, the choir leader heard my voice and said, yeah, you're singing solo on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so the pressure was on. Yeah. Yeah, but from then I just, I, I, I fell in love with it from then. So from the age of like 18, I'd say. Dang. That's yeah. Yeah. That that's old for, I mean, dude, your voice is so captivating. I watch so many just. Oh, thanks it, man. Yeah, I mean, just it, like so many in-studio things on YouTube, I just come across and I was just feeding me them and I can't help but just get fucking captivated every time one of your videos pop up. And, oh, thanks, um, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Oh, hey, we're glad you joined that choir, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, um, it, was a, it was an interesting time, actually, because when I started to really get into vocals, you know, I, I had an, a nine to five job. I, when I left my hip hop group, we were doing support shows for like Public Enemy and some other group, groups that came to the UK. And we were doing a bunch of things, you know, on, for radio and stuff. And it just got to the point where it, we needed to make money. So mm -hmm. you get, you're getting older and it's a few of us, we, we were in the group from the age of like 14. And then you turn like 18, going to 19, it's like, we need to make money. We need to get jobs. And so that kind of like broke down a little bit. We're still together. But then I was trying to figure out what is it that I wanted to do. I'd done it for a while. 
then I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a job and focus on building some form of career so that I've got something to fall back on, which is what I did. And I got into marketing. Um, and that's kind of where I was for a few years. And the music thing, I still was doing it, but then I just transitioned into singing and singing with the choirs and singing at church and stuff like that and just did that. But I never really kind of made that decision, make you know, to go, right, I'm going to go full time and pursue my career as, as an artist, which I knew deep down that's what I wanted to be. But I felt, well, I'm also good at sales. I'm also good at this corporate job. So let that be the foundation for me. But uh, a friend of mine who actually had an agency, he called me, reached my, my, my office and said, hey, look, I've got a session and um, I'd love you to do it. I said, I don't do that anymore. Like, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm a marketing executive. I work for a computer company. I'm selling this and that kind of, that's what I do. And I'm making my money and I'm, I'm, I'm good. And he's like, no, this is an easy session. You know, as a matter of fact, we can work around you. We can do it on the weekend if you want. And I was like, okay, um, all right, tell me a bit about him, you know. And he just gave me the basics. He said, listen, it's easy. I said, look, are you going to be there? Sure. And that was my kind of first recording session, by the way. Um, and um, I said, all right, cool. I went down there on, a, I think, a Friday evening after work. And it's a, a studio called Olympic Studios. It's a studio that, that uh, U2 used to use a lot and a lot of other kind of well-famous uh, bands. Uh, it's no it's no longer there anymore, but I went to Studio A, opened the doors, not knowing what the session was or who I was doing it for, and sitting on the couch with her producer was Gloria Estefan. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I didn't say, oh, wow, I was shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was in the wrong room. I thought I was in the wrong room. So I was literally like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, like, so sorry. And it was in it because she was just sitting there with her producer in this massive studio. And I was like, and I was close to the door. And I went, no, 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 you, you're Tony, right? And I went, yes, I am Tony. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, you're part, of the, look, you're part of the session. And some of her team came out and said, no, you know, you're one of the singers. There's some other singers that are going to be doing it as well. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like, this is for, like Gloria Estefan. And she was doing, the song was Reach. It was for the Olympics. And, um, we, you know, I, I loved it. And I thought she likes me. She liked the vocals and everything else. And we started to do a bunch of things. And then I said to my friend, hey, look, you know what? If you've got any more of those sessions, you can give me a shout. I'm happy to do them as long as they're, you know. And what happened was the moment I started to get on TV, my companies, you know, the colleagues and the, the, the bosses and that saw me. And they were so in my corner. They're like, hey, listen, you, this is great. You know, take, if you want to take it as holiday or whatever, go ahead and do it. And then... As, as time went on, I just thought, you know what, this is what I want to do. I was getting so many calls from people for session work and stuff. I thought I must be good enough. And then I just made, I, I, I made a jump and, and, and quit my job and went for it full time. And yeah. So, so for people who uh, don't know, when you're hired as like a session singer, what is that like? Like you said, you went into that first one not knowing anything. Are you like more prepped on some and you know exactly what you're doing or uh, what's that whole experience like? Okay, so usually what would happen is if they if they book you for a, a session, what would happen is just because of um, protection of data, they would never really reveal or tell you what the song is until you get there on the day. You know, and because the, back in those days, especially things got leaked quite quickly. And so you would never know until you arrive in the day and you'd have to do an NDA disclosure 
and that you're in that room, you can't talk about it, get on with it. And it would be literally whoever was producing the track would then go through the section of the part of the song, what you'd be doing, and they'd teach you the part. And it was about gelling, bonding, and that's how the kind of sessions would work. And um, yeah, it was it's a nice, easy process. And, you, you know, I think because it was enjoyable and it was it was seen as fun, it made it easy for me uh, to settle in. And I think because I came from that, that church background of singing intricate stuff, the other stuff, like doing the pop stuff or the other recorders was actually a lot easier. So um, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. OK, yeah, that that's very interesting. I, I would never have guessed that like whole component with the NDA and them not telling you anything ahead of time. That's, that's super interesting. Yeah. That only works. Like if it's, if it's somebody that you've worked with for years and they've gained your trust and they know that you, you know, you're a solid person, then they'll send you something. But nine times out of 10, if you're getting to do a, any kind of recording session, even now, they'll call you up, they'll give you the dates. They sometimes don't even tell you who the artist is. And then it's like, this is the studio. And when you arrive, is when they go through everything. That's wild. That's wild. Have you ever yeah. uh, th uh, thought about making a hip-hop album? Has that ever been in the back of your head? No, man. I mean, like, I'm not good enough, man. I mean, like, we're talking, like, in the 80s. We're talking about from 86 to 90. It was like, I, I was so into it. I was That was my world. It was my world as a young kid. That was my world. But then when I fell in love with, with, with music in another way and songs, I was like, I, I want to write. I want to get in. I really want to be an artist and I want to sing. And I, and I went to some concerts and I, it was a different thing. Being in a, in a hip hop environment, it's great because there's an incredible music, incredible MCs. There's lots of things going on. But when I went into a concert hearing someone sing, that made me emotionally, took me somewhere else. That was a different thing altogether, and I never experienced that to the point where someone's singing a song that's making me cry, and and I was like, wow, what? An, and I was looking around at the audience and how it was having an impact. I was like, this is different, um, and I want to explore this. And I felt so in love with it. And I think because I got, I got that that the thumbs up from so many artists, and it, it was kind of stars were aligning and everything was working in that in that way. It was like that was natural trajectory that I would be going. Um, it was like that was the decision. It's like the MC hat is off. I'm going to focus on being a songwriter and uh, go down that route. And that's the route that was working for me. And well, I guess too. So, like the song message in the music, I kind of hear a little bit of hip hop in that song, just there like is. kind of the <laughs> way you're singing the verses. There is. I did that. That was the whole thing about it talks about what I started. You know, when I was eight years old, I got into music and then it was talking about, you know, hip hop and then going into song and then going into the next part of what music is. It's all instruments that are from all around, around the world. And yet when they play together, they sound like a beautiful symphony. And the fact is that all of these instruments are byproducts of our own human hands. And yet they can work in symphony, but yet us as the creators of these instruments can't. And so that was what that message is about in, in the whole thing. So I still use, I still listen to MCs. I still listen to because I like the lyrical context sometimes and go, I can still pen that in a song in a different way, but just sing it.
you know. Mm -hmm. And okay. So when you're songwriting, like obviously you're a vocalist, like, do you play any instruments just to like, you know, help you with your songwriting or I guess like how, how do you convey to everyone playing the instruments what you want them to play? Oh, I, I don't, I don't fluently play. I can play some chords on the piano. I've got a piano here and um, mm -hmm. plays a couple of chords on the guitar. I don't play. Uh, for me, my strengths are um, my voice. And I guess, you know, before I could like operate Logic and some of the other music programs, I, I relied on if it was a beat, I could just beatbox it and put okay. the, the rough beat in. And then I could sing the melody and because I can sing and hear hear the, the chords, I could sing the melody down and then create the chords, what I'm trying to hear. So I could then, if I'm with, when I'm getting in the studio with the guys, I can play what I'm and sing it down. And because they know me well now, I'll go, not that chord, I'm hearing this. And I'll sing it out to them, the notes, and slow it down a little bit and then they get it. And that's kind of how we do it. Um, okay. And I know that I could spend a lot more time developing that craft but then me spending all that time it means that it will take me longer to write music where i can go look i can still do what i do involve others that are exceptional at what they do and we just just make we make it together very cool um okay uh so i guess it's this is going to be kind of a tricky question um but out of all your solo music that you've made, are there like, I guess, give me f like your top five favorite songs. If you, if you could just pick five. <laughs> that's like saying, that's like saying, who's your favorite child? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew it. Yeah. yeah that, but it's a tough I, question. I mean, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, like, uh, it's, I was gonna say think, who you okay, so, who are you leaving the house to in the will, I guess is the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I think all right, let me let me let me tell you I'll say it this much that um if we go okay, so on my fly EP, fly and spotlight are two kind of like songs that I, I, I love. Fly has got an edgy feel to it, and they all you will hear some kind of thread of hip hop, whether it's the way that I'm scanning the lyric or the way that I'm writing something and, and, and the flow of it. And um, those two songs are definitely in, in there. Um, then keep pushing the album, the actual title, keep pushing uh, the title track with Talib Kweli on it. Um, mm -hmm. That, that for me again, was a, is a, is a, a real kind of positive song about, no matter how hard or how things may be, you just got to keep pushing. And that particular record, every song relates to momentum in some way, right? Um, so keep pushing. That song is 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 one. I think remember is it's hard, man. I'm already at four. Remember <laughs> is, is 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 another one on the on the best is yet to come album. I can't live without you. Um, oh man, I I don't know. It's hard. It's really, really hard. That's a great question, and no one's actually thrown that at me. But I generally get that when I when I when I do shows and I'm selling merchandise, and fans come up and say, "Which is the best album?" And I literally say to them, "Well, who's your favorite child?" 
you know, and they stop. And I go, you see, look, you see, you got to think about it, right? I said, I don't know. I love them all. I love all my, uh, you know, these are all my babies. So whatever one I'll be happy with and I'm hoping you'd be happy with. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, they, they all kind of have like different feels to them. Like the message in the music album, like that's super jazzy and like, yeah, the there's like a lot more instrumentation in that one, whereas like best is yet to come. That one's like super soulful, like way more of like a R and B feel. And then, like you said, yeah. like the Fly EP has lots of hip hop elements on it. Yeah. So yeah, I guess from so it's, like it's, the other it's... side of the coin, it depends on what you like. <laughs> yeah, I think you know what I, I've always been that type of eclectic artist because I, there's lots of things that I like. And I can't put myself in the box to say this is what this uh, this is what it's going to be. There's always going to be different extensions of, of what what I like and uh, what's influenced me. And you'll hear it in some way or form in my music. Um, and I don't I don't want to follow the kind of I don't want to follow that trail that a lot of people do artists do where it's like this is I'm doing this I'm an R&B artist. For me, it's like. If you want to call me jazz, call me jazz. If you want to call me soul, call me soul. If you want to call me more commercial, call me that. Because there's all of those hats that I've done. And I think because I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of these artists when I was doing the backing vocal stuff, um, I, I learned about the pop sensibility of writing a song that's got commercial viability, as well as working with the incognitos or working with some of the other acts and going, well, I can, there's a bit of me in everything. And um, I want to write songs that the every man can can listen to, and may not know the lyrics, but they know the melody to the chorus, or they might know the chorus lyrics, or vice versa. Um, that's what I've always wanted to be, and it's and it's worked because for me, it it's got me on different platforms in terms of radio and streaming, um, because all the records in some ways are different in some ways. So that's helped me greatly. And then I've done a lot of things with my remixes, um, especially for the Soulful House side of things. Um, and I always do a lot of collaborations with Louis Vega because that's another, that's another market, another genre where it's it, it, it's big in certain places and it's like again that's that's worked and it's kept me busy. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, do you have any artists uh, like other artists that uh, you've been listening to a lot lately, or ones that uh, you really hold in a strong rep? that uh, you can shout out because this is where I love finding out about new musicians and artists as well. Yeah. I think like, you know what I I'm, I've been listening to like, it's funny because I don't listen to music that much. Like, cause I'm always like touring or doing stuff. I see a lot of these artists that are friends at festivals and stuff. So I mm -hmm. might check out a couple of things. I've never really kind of immersed myself in a record and I've got tons of CDs and records that have been sent to me that I've still got to get my head into uh, and, and to listen. And it's really tough because I'm, I'm in the process of all these other projects. So you don't really get that. And because you feel your world is music, I actually find myself pulling away. And if I'm driving my car, I'm listening to kind of like, like talk radio and, mm -hmm. and, those kind of stations where people are just general people just talking about political stuff or what's going on in the world. And I'm listening to what the conversation is. But I must say that um, one of the artists that I've been, like, he's a good friend of mine, actually. He's, he's one of the co-producers of my stuff, and he's now doing his own stuff, Ben Jones. 
Okay. And um, Ben Jones is an incredible producer and musician. Um, he does a lot of stuff on Instagram. He does lots of reels. But um, he's just released a, a, an EP and he's just doing volume two, I think, tomorrow that comes out. He's nice. doing a show tomorrow, so I'm going to go and check him out. But he's someone that um, his music is just spicy and it's, um, it's a mixture of stuff. You know, really, really, really cool. So Ben, I've been checking out, listening to a lot of his stuff recently. I'm trying to think of who else that I was listening to. Um, that was getting me getting me really excited. Um, oh, I can't remember the name. It will come back to me. Yeah, it's all right. Like, hey, like, on, on... You say Ben Jones is spicy. I, I'm in anything with spicy music involved, so I'm gonna have to check him out. Yeah, check him out, man. He's really dope. His stuff is really, really dope. Hell yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, you guys, well, I guess we'll we'll hop back over to Incognito for a minute. So you you're in the process yeah. of recording a new album. You got this big tour coming up. Um. So I guess how, without revealing too much, how do you think this album will compare to like some of the previous ones? Just like style wise. This one, this one is, it's a, it's a hard question. You got some great questions, man. Um, <laughs> this, this is, it's a hard one because um, there's, there's new singers. There's different singers on this one. Okay. Um, and that's what I love about Bluey. He's always on the quest to find new musicians, new, new singers who add to the incognito family and give them a platform as well. And, uh, write something different that he's hearing for their voice so this one i've heard a bunch of the tracks and uh it's cool and i don't know what's going to make the album because with incognito they record we record loads of tracks we will easily record 20 tracks 25 tracks to make an album of 11 songs so i don't know yet what the shape of the album is that we kind of know that towards the end and we're in the middle of it right now so i don't know um, I just know it's going to be again really funky. Um, there'll be some new new textures in it, um, but yeah, there's a, a couple of new players as well. So it it will be it will be cool. We got Charlie Allen. Uh, Charlie Allen is an incredible guitarist. If you came to Cincinnati, um, he was the guy on guitar. Um, yeah, he also I was plays on your Tom, guys' Tom side of the stage, so I I was like pretty close to both you and him, honestly. Oh right, for real. Yeah. So yeah. So he's he's incredible so he plays for tom Misch and he's done a bunch of other stuff as well as incognito also plays with uh, does some stuff with ben jones but he's in the group um we've got also kiko alotta on keys is on the group who's also at, uh, um, on, on the tour so this is a different kind of sound in some ways but it's still incognito so it's, it's exciting um I'm, I'm yet to kind of hear the songs in their entirety because we've just done vocals and then it's, the brass has not been put down yet. And some songs, you know, the bass line, the bass has to be put down again and things like that. So it's all now the jigsaw puzzle of putting everything together. So I know that it will be, uh, it will have the classic kind of incognito theme in some places. But Bluey always likes to throw a little couple of, you know, curveballs as well. Yeah. That's fun for you guys, man. Like you just like sit back, you did your part, but you're, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a fog kind of where you know some yes. of it, you know what's coming. But uh, yeah, because because like when we go, like like especially because we're all busy, 
and we get into the studio, so we're doing the vocal stuff. And the way that we record vocals, by the way, is we'll all turn up, we'll all be there, and we just go through the parts together. So we'll have we'll be in a big room, and we've all got our individual mics, and we've got our individual mixes, and we record like that instead of like one individual going in and doing their part. We record the vocals all together, um, and so we just hear snippets of the song. So if I'm singing the song, obviously I know the song, but the others haven't heard the song because it's like time is money. So it's like, we've got to get in and let's just get these pieces done. And then we've got to go on to load the next track because there's all these pieces to do. And that might be a whole day of recording. And then later on in the evening, the brass are coming in. So there's not really time to sit down, bounce everything, give a rough mix for us to hear how the song sounds. So we don't hear that until towards the end, which is quite nice. Yeah, it okay. gives you a break from it. That's, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't, does Bluey have his own studio now? Yeah, Bluey's always had his own studio. Um, he's, we, he's moved studios a few times. Okay. Um, Did you recently but, but move? He, uh, about three years ago. Okay. Yeah, about three years ago, just before lockdown, he moved um, and got another studio. Um, and before that, we had... Uh, we were in uh near the where we were in Hackney in East London. Um, then he's had large studio uh, in in North London, but he's always had studios. Right on. Um... And he's he's that kind of guy. You need to because the way that he creates, he needs that space. You could never like just hire a studio because it would just be it just wouldn't work. He, he's got he's got own studio. And be able to go right. This is my my base of all the equipment, with all the microphones, the pianos, the keyboards, everything. You just need to have that, and that way you can call in the guys. I think Ognita the group and Bluey. He's been doing it for so long. You need that creative space where he can just get on and do what do what he does. So yeah, that's interesting, man. Oh, I'm excited to hear this new one. Uh, Klepp honestly introduced me to Incognito, and I have just spread it amongst my friends here in Cleveland, Ohio, and now just oh, nice. Anytime we're talking loud, we're starting something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Klepp, you have anything more uh, for Tony before we get to our famous encore on Vinyl Stallions? I I think I'm good. Yeah, you've been you've been really generous with your time, Tony, and yeah, we My appreciate pleasure, you talking pleasure. to us. Yeah, are you gonna are you are you guys gonna be out um, in Cincinnati? Um, so I I'll be at both the Detroit and Cincinnati shows. Yeah, I will definitely okay, make it out great. to at least one. Okay, great, great. Have you got your tickets already? Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Not, well, if you haven't, not, yeah, not your you boy. All right, so just, 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 uh, you've got, you guys got my email, right? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Just let me know, let me know like two days or whatever before the show and I'll put you on the guest list. My man. Oh. Well, yeah, dude. yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and also as well, like I was going to say, like, you should, you should interview Bluey. Oh, we would yeah. love to. Yeah. Say no more. I'll hold that up. My man, that is because 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 he he would he would love to do it. He he, he definitely definitely can put you in, um, with Bluey, um, and also uh, Mesa. If there's any kind of like UK artists that you would like to interview, 
Uh, just give me the list. If it's Omar, anyone, I can get you. I can. They'll do it. Dude, there's no one we wouldn't interview. We <laughs> just love talking with people about music. Like yeah. that's yeah. really the whole essence of our podcast is like we just find people that are involved in music somehow. And, you know, if it's somebody whose music we like even better and, you know, we just yeah. shoot the shit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Bluey would, would, would 100% do it. Hell 100%. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Hell yeah. 100%. So just just let let me know when you want to do it, and I can I can uh, connect it. Perfect. Right on. Yeah. Um, we'll, oh, go I was, ahead, Spruce. I was just gonna say we will absolutely follow up, man. That would be kick ass. Uh, and again, just expand the web of friends and friends. Exactly. But yeah, Clep, you want to give Tony our uh, encore question? We always end with this one question, Tony. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Stretch out. It, it's going to be tough because, I mean, someone like you who's played, been to a ton of shows, you're you're going to have a vault to pull from. But the question is, what is your most memorable concert experience? And this could be, like, good, bad, strange, cool. Like, just what, what concert experience has stuck with you the most? It could be one you're playing, attending. And I guess if you got more than one, you know, just – Share what you got. Um, memorable concert experience. Um, I, I there, there, well, there's actually a few. There's a few like like funny moments, and uh, yes, Let there's a few. There was there was <laughs> there was a there was a um. A time I was singing, it was with Incognito. Um, I can't remember what country we were in. But um was on stage singing. And this lady decided to let me know that um, she really liked me and, and uh, in the, by revealing <laughs> that she had no underwear on. And... Uh, I'm singing like Labour of Love or one of them songs, a ballad, and and I'm 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 just scanning the audience and it's just singing, and I I I do a double take, so I'm singing like you know you know <laughs> like slow down, do that, take like, it easy, sing. exactly slow down, take, and I was like, and, and literally I went what, and I just <laughs> carried on singing, and the rest of the guys and I turned around, they were, some of the guys knew, but that was a yeah that that that. It, I I completely messed up some of my lyrics oh because my it was kind of weird, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've had some. Uh, yeah, I've had some. Uh, I've had some funny, funny, uh, funny experiences. I, I also, I've had some amazing experiences. We were um, when we were out with Sade, and um, the, the beautiful thing with Sade because she doesn't tour that that often, so there was so many people that would come out to the shows. But more importantly, there was so... I've never been to any concert where I've scanned the room and I've seen so many celebrities. And so, you know, Denzel Washington, everyone, P. Diddy, everyone was out. And that was a freakish moment. And I think one of the ones that caught me most was um, meeting with... Um, meeting with um, uh, Bill Withers. Um, he came nice. out to a show and he doesn't really he didn't at that time he wasn't really going out much 
he didn't go out to shows and stuff, and he came out to that show. And I remember, because after a, after a song, we'd set up immediately for the next song, queue up for the next song, and then the microphones are gated so that the audience can't hear and if we need to communicate with our crew or say anything amongst each other. We've got like, you know, 20 seconds. Um, and someone said, hey, man, I think I've just seen Bill Withers on the third row to the left. And the light comes up and it's like, they say we're singing Your Love is King or something like that. The light, bam! And I look round and I remember Sade looking around and going, it's Bill Withers. And uh, that was an amazing experience because I, he's an inc he was an incredible artist. And uh, I got the, the, the opportunity to, to meet him after the show and really oh, wow. engage with him in conversation. Um, but there's, there's loads of like, I, I can't tell you one memorable moment because there's been there's been loads um that every time I, I i i do a show or we do shows we we take you know things in there was one funny moment actually we were playing at this gig i was doing this massive what was it a festival i can't remember with my stuff and i it was doing a million ways and for whatever reason for whatever reason i think this 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 gig it was like the, the imagine Cincinnati where you're quite close to the stage, mm -hmm. but it was a massive venue and the level of the stage to the, to the, to the audience was quite close. I loved it, but someone, a fan hit one of the buttons on my keyboard, uh, 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 keyboard player's keyboard. No, oh, no. So when he was playing, he was playing the song in a different key oh. and everyone was looking around like that. And I'm singing like that, you know, and I'm like, what is what? And it was completely sounding wrong. And I knew something was up and we had to kind of sail through it. And I, I told him, stop, fix it. And I had to freestyle something with the, and this is where the hip hop thing came in. <laughs> and I started freestyling with the audience and doing the melody or whatever, like, have you fixed it yet? Um, <laughs> to, get it, to, to, to get it together. And it was taking forever. And I'm like, you know, two minutes in and we're still not fixed. And I'm like, look, we've got no show if you don't get this right. Because obviously he can't play it. And, uh, and that was for the rest of the songs as well. It completely was out of key. So um, it was funny because the audience caught on and I told them, look, this is what's going on. Uh, but we're going to have fun <laughs> with it anyway. And um, yeah, it was, and, and it was, it, it was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, I'll tell you another, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell, well, I can tell you. I'm not going to mention who the artist was, but basically, um, <laughs> there was an artist that, um, Can I say it? Well, there was an artist that did a, was doing a show. Actually, it it, it was kind of like this 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 charity kind of benefit, and mm -hmm. um, he was getting on stage, and it wasn't actually him. It wasn't actually him. It was more embarrassing because it was the, the person in front. So there was a comedian that was opening up, and then this artist, but we were all there together, and this comedian was talking and no one was interested. No one was talking, no one was giving any kind of, just, just, they were just talking amongst themselves, having, you know, food and drink and whatever. And the, the, the guy said, I hate doing these kind of things. He came backstage, hate this kind of stuff. And you know what happens? When eight o'clock comes, everyone's quiet because then the main act, which I guess is you, is gonna come out and so forth or whatever, right? Eight o'clock happens and it gets dead quiet. And we're like, oh, shit. This guy, comedian, he gets really upset. And 
he ran out on stage and hit the mic and said, listen, you know, it was a charity benefit. You know, you people, you know, we, this is what I do for a living and you'd have, you'd have no decency to come and just at least acknowledge me, you know, but you don't because, you know, eight o'clock's coming now and now, you, you know, we're going to get to the main event, I suppose. Well, here's the main event and he turned around, pulled his trousers down <laughs> and gave his big goon, right? Security <laughs> came, rushed him off the stage and they said, what the heck are you doing or whatever? And he goes, I'm fed up because... That's not why they were quiet, man. It's because someone died last week and we were given a moment of silence. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. That is fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, that was, that was. And the thing was, I, 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 uh, man, I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, I couldn't my stop God. laughing. I couldn't sing. I could not stop laughing. So, uh, yeah. Wow. You, can, you cannot that, make that yeah. up. You cannot write that in a script right now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that is... has got to be one of the most interesting concert stories we've got. <laughs> yeah, it was It was, uh, It was. was very embarrassing. And it's funny because even though it didn't happen to us, it was just an embarrassing moment that you just cringed. It was like, and especially when you found out that they were giving a minute silence for someone that passed away that was part of their community. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, interrupted by a full moon, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's terrible. But, wow, but, yeah, but uh, that's, that's yeah, that's one of my stories. we appreciate you sharing. And again, uh, Tony, it was an absolute pleasure being able to chat with you. Thank you, my uh, man. Again, very generous with your time and just an absolute, just great conversation all around. Like, I we could not thank you enough. Thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you both in person. Uh, yeah. when we come out to the states in June. Absolutely, yep. we'll. Yep, we'll definitely follow up. Shoot you that email, and yeah, like, like I said, Detroit Cincy will be there. Thank you so much, and everyone else listening should get out there as well because uh, again, Incognito's got that new album coming out, man, and uh, it's club club called me i think when uh you guys announced your tour last year he's like they're fucking coming to the u.s let's go and was just oh, freaking wow. out. oh and, cool man and and that I detroit show was seriously off the hook because i've been to that venue before and that place had like electricity like it does not normally have like that lawn is normally empty because they don't sell enough seats where everyone right. has a seat that one yes, was yeah. packed for that show. Yeah, man. I just, I don't know what it, I think, you know, I think there's this, this British style that we do, but also again, it's like, you know, when you, you, you have people like Mesa in the group as well. And I think the, the, the style of music and the fact that she came to the UK and was doing the acid jazz thing, which mm -hmm. when it blew up, it was blew up, it blew up big. And then it, it, it morphed into this, this more, of the incognito sound with those classic songs people just especially in america man i mean we we everywhere we go we get this mad love but there's just something when we come to america it's 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 crazy it's it's crazy and we this is why we love playing it you know because it, it literally feels like we're a new band that we've just come out and we just have number one records that's how it feels yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. The music's funky, good singing, like good songwriting. Like, what? What's not to love? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, again, Tony, we thank you very, very much. Uh, we'll definitely stay in contact and talk soon. Hopefully have you back on here. Um, but, yeah, besides that, my name is Bruce. I'm Clap. Thank you, my brother. And this has been another episode of Vinyl Stallion. <laughs> <laughs>